She's Julie Roxanne. And he's Alistair. And And this this is Far Out, a podcast about stepping off the beaten path and learning to live from our center. Not a care in the world. La la la, everything's fine then. Hey everyone, welcome to the first episode of our podcast. In this one, we explore that question all travelers confront sooner or later. The question, when are you leaving? We discuss fear of asking for help, getting comfortable with uncertainties, reacting to crisis, dealing with anxiety, and much more. Let's get into it. Do you know what just happened here? We're recording our first podcast right oh now God. as we speak. These are our first words. First on words. Our first episode of our first podcast. So, what tea are you drinking? I am having a rooibos, orange, spice, holiday type thing. What are you having? I am having babushka black tea, which is a Russian black tea. I really like that rooibos. It's kind of like fall in a cup, you can taste the falling leaves. That's true. I can. So we were going to come on this first podcast and kind of do a where we're at in life and why we're turning the mic on. But about 36 hours ago, something kind of big happened for us. And we had already planned to do this recording. And we just feel like we can't really talk about that. We kind of have to talk about this thing that came up and just go straight into it. We really couldn't talk about anything else today. It was impossible for me to go on with the plan that we had. It was either we don't record anything this week or we record something about this. And and before we get into what actually happened, which was basically a crisis. It is a crisis. And I, I had a lot of resistance to talking about this on the podcast because especially as our first episode, because it's unresolved and uh, it feels kind of scary because we don't know what we're going to do. But we figured this podcast is called Far Out, Adventures in Unconventional Living. And chances are this is probably going to happen to us a lot. And if we don't turn on the mic when we're in these in-between moments, we probably won't turn the mic on. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly how it feels for me too. It's easy to wait until there's only like topics that we can look back on and reflect on and share our experience with we have to get somewhat comfortable in in talking about those uncertainties instead of talking backwards on things that have already been resolved where we're certain because we know what the outcome was. That's an easier way, I think, sometimes to talk about things, but um, this life is inherently uncertain and uh, we kind of have to embrace that. So quickly, where we're at in a nutshell, I left San Diego. I was in the startup scene in San Diego and I got burned out and um, had a personal health crisis and decided to leave to travel. That was about three years ago now. You, Julie Roxanne, were a chef in Paris Mm -hmm. and you were also in a serious relationship. You were engaged. I was. And you left your job as a chef and you uh, broke off your engagement and also left to travel about three years ago too. Yes. And later on, we'll get into maybe some of the things that happened along the way, but uh, we both kind of went our own ways. We didn't know each other at the time. And we ended up meeting each other in India, Bundi, India, beautiful little town, about a year and a half ago. And we've surprisingly been traveling together ever since, which was a huge surprise to both of us. Neither of us were really planning 
on that and to kind of fast forward after about a year of travel together we made a pretty scary decision we were in portugal at the time and we decided to fly back to france where you have family and friends and specifically southwest france and buy a caravan a used caravan yeah so we got invited to live on this land my aunt and uncle's land they told us that we could just if we wanted to try this uh, alternative lifestyle that uh, that would be a good place to start we had actually in portugal just been exploring different types of lifestyles one thing we did while we were there was we were helping a family build an eco lodge in the hills outside of Algeciras which is in in the Algarve in the southwest and while we were helping them we were living out of a old kind of beat up renovated caravan they had on the land and we loved it uh it was it was amazing and it was starting to just kind of spark ideas for us and we came back to this idea this invitation that we'd been playing with and that's where we'd gotten the idea that maybe a caravan would be a interesting way to live for a little while so uh we took a chance we made the decision to fly back to france we stayed in toulouse for a weekend bought a car and then drove out to this piece of land which is basically forest in lalande which is in southwest france we flew back to france to toulouse yeah. bought a car over the weekend and drove to to their house and then a week later we had bought ourselves a beautiful 20-year-old german caravan yeah we ripped everything out of it we froze for a while because we have no building experience and we didn't know what the hell we were going to do with it there we, were um, many existential crises oh many 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 slowly we figured out what to do we now have running water heated water electricity throughout the whole caravan it's feels magical to turn switches on and off <laughs> and it actually worked we worked on the caravan for a couple months then we traveled to the US for 3 months so we took a break came back and we've been working on the caravan ever since and we're now in now we're in uh, November yep and we have just finished the caravan renovation pretty much completely so we've been living in it and it's awesome it's everything we hoped it would be it's it's a dream we built it we're in it right now as we speak and i just i look at the walls that i cut and did myself and i'm just so in love with this place it's so wonderful we pick out the perfect lighting and we have beautiful curtains and it's just so simple and yet so inspiring there's something really inspiring about living in a in the space that you build yourself i mean i never anticipated that but it's been extremely wonderful This is probably a good place to point out that if you hear thuds, uh it's either rain or probably acorns falling from the giant oak tree that we parked the caravan under. We uh, thought that would be a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> we've got- we've been serenaded by acorn thuds for for months well, yeah, now. Just yeah. sometimes in the middle of the night we'll be sleeping and then it one will hit the vent and it'll just be like Bam. Uh, just in the middle of the night it's, it's terrifying. Yeah, you it, get used to it, but the first few are uh you kind of jump up, you know. Yeah. But yeah, there's sounds. We're in the middle of the forest and we're also close to a military aerial base or whatever. So there's also like there's been sounds since the beginning of this recording. They're doing some testing with flying jets. So bear with us. This this is this is as real as it gets. This is caravan life. This is caravan life. So, that's where we're at right now. We just finished the caravan. We're living out in the forest on a piece of land 
that we've been invited on. And with, with this, this agreement started as it was an invitation. We talked to Pierre and Annie who, who had invited us out. And basically they've been out here for what, 20 years? Yeah. 15, 18, something like okay, that. Okay. Somewhere in between 15 and 20 years, never planning on leaving. Our idea was we wanted a travel hub. We wanted a hub in Europe because you have family in France. I have family in Britain. It just made a lot of sense. And we were also getting really tired. We had both been traveling nonstop for, at that point, about two years. We were having a lot of psychic pain with traveling. The constant coming and going, the transition costs that it takes to get into every culture, every town, every place you stay for the night, the relationships that you you start having and then say goodbye the next day or a week later. And we were getting really tired of the question, when are you leaving? Regardless of if someone else was asking us or if we had to ask ourselves, but it's the constant picking up and going, unpacking, packing, looking for the next destination, trying to figure out that culture, figure out that, that town, the food. It's just, it's thrilling. It's, it's amazing, but two years of it nonstop is tiring. Yeah. So we wanted to find, and, and we didn't want to pay rent. Well, we, we didn't want to go back to, the only way I could, I could think of having a home base was going back to the whole, like, living, live in a city, get an apartment, get a job, ride the subway to work, and then have, like, two hours of time at the end of the day. And I've done that, and it makes me miserable. It really does. It kills my spirits, and I just didn't want to do that anymore. But at the same time, I really was craving a place, a hub, a, a space that we could call home, and we built it. Yeah. And, and it does really feel like home. This arrangement that we have going on with my aunt and uncle as Alistair was starting to, to point out, like the idea was that it was going to be for as long as we wanted. We, we really took a chance by accepting this invitation. It was, you know, not only an experiment in living, it was also an experiment in asking for help yeah. and, and depending on someone else. It's a pretty vulnerable situation to get yourself into because we bought a caravan. We don't have uh, a car strong enough to drive this caravan off the land. We also don't have a license to drive this caravan off the land. There's a special license you need to drive a trailer of this size and we don't have it. So we really can't move this thing on our own. Uh, besides that, we put 400 euros of, of cable in the ground and, and, and another 700 euros in building the foundation to this place. We, we, had, a, we had a construction worker come out with a, like a bobcat um, and, and dig up the earth and, and set a strong foundation. So it yeah. was, we were uh, really kind of taking a chance with, with Pierre and Annie. We, we came with the idea of like investing our energy and our time in building this place for the foreseeable future because w we thought now is the time. Yeah. It was open-ended and we were planning on having this place to somewhere where we could return to in between travels, in between work, what, whatever we were doing kind of indefinitely. That was where we were at when we made the decision and bought the caravan. So to tie this into what happened 36 hours ago. Yes. Some big news happened while we were in the U.S. for three months. Pierre had injured his arm about a week, actually, before we had arrived, and no one realized how bad it was. When we were in the U.S., I had a first call from Annie telling me that they found out this was inoperable, and, like, she let out a kind of out of despair, not really thought out, but she let out a, like, we're wondering if we should sell the place. 
So I heard that and I listened to her pain, but I also thought that this was just coming off, coming out of the doctor's appointment. So we had like, maybe we didn't need to take it too seriously and we could see what was going to happen. Like there was, I didn't want to come to any rash conclusions. And the thing is, the way it unfolded over the summer was that it became pretty clear to them that they needed to leave. It's it's important to mention that uh, this place is a place for people who can who are active like this their their land and their house is made for someone who can uh chop off logs and and do the repairs like this is the countryside there's always repairs and stuff to do and the thing that changed over the summer is that suddenly Pierre could no longer do all those things that are required to live here over the summer I had a few conversations with Annie when we were in the US and they each were a bit more clear about the fact that they were reaching the decision to sell which is not an easy decision for them either because they love this place they were planning on that that this place being their last Pierre built it himself and over the summer they gradually came to the conclusion that they just couldn't leave live here anymore for a variety of reasons but the main one being that he injured himself and they're just facing the reality of where they're at in life and so that meant that our plan that was at first for a few years in the foreseeable future uh now got really shaky and really uncertain again and again we found ourselves having to ask the question when are we leaving i remember the day over the summer where we heard that that news that was a pretty tough day we were at my brother's house and or apartment and uh i had to go i think i i yelled in the room for about 10 minutes at toward you <laughs> and then i went for a really long run and just tried to yeah tried to get get all the anger out because we we had uh done the math in the way we had thought about it was it was a big investment uh the the caravan and and the way it paid off was basically if we could live in it for three to five years probably three years it would have paid for itself five years but now we were in a situation where we were gonna have something we didn't know how to move that we had put a lot of money into that was a pretty strange item and now we were kind of tied to it instead of it giving us the freedom we were hoping it would it would yeah so our original plan was after the US to come back to France and finish the caravan and then go back to India. We decided against it when we realized that they were going to sell. We figured we figured two things is one we needed to be around to see how the process unfolded and also we thought that we would stay for the winter so that we could give them a hand with all the chores around the house and 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 help them out. Ever since we came back, the pressure around when are you leaving, how are you leaving, those questions became more and more present. The questions been speeding up ever since we we got back. And over the summer, we thought, okay, they're going to sell in the next couple of years. Then we got back. We wanted to finish the caravan and make sure. Our first idea is like, okay, well maybe we'll sell it. So let's just finish it. And then it was okay. They're probably going to sell next year. And now it's been okay what is your plan now in case it gets it sells immediately and man it's been terrifying to go from thinking we were going to live here for five years so oh my god we have this one of a kind caravan that we put a lot of money into that we can't move and we're going to have to get off the land that's i guess probably how these stories always go this is why uh you know 
this is the I told you so. Like, yeah. But uh, that's that's what's happened. And so 36 hours ago. Yeah, so we had done all the things. Basically, we had a plan. We even had multiple plans of like where to move it in case there was an emergency, in case they sold two days after they put it on the listings. For the record, they tried to sell this place once in the last 10 years, and it, it, it was on the market for three years, and it didn't sell. It's a great place, but it's a weird... It's a weird real estate thing to buy. It's it's in the middle of nowhere. It's a long. It's a big house. It it's not an easy thing to sell. It's sellable, but you have to wait for the right person to come along, and that right person may take a few years. So it was it was fair for us to think that we had time, and Annie was saying that to us as well that we had time. We just wanted to be prepared, so we had a few plans, and it felt like having plans was the last thing we needed to do before we could finally relax and actually live in this place and spend the winter and do creative work, do this podcasting, everything that we've we've been dreaming of doing. And uh, and 36 hours ago, I just went over to ask Pierre something and um, he kind of blurted out to me that um, based on research and based on his fears that maybe the caravan being on the land might scare off potential buyers that uh, we needed to move by end of January, beginning of February. So two months from now. Nice Christmas present. Yeah. Basically, we we had a trip already planned to go to England to spend Christmas with my grandmother and my, my parents. And he's... Uh, 36 hours ago told us that we need to move out when we get back. Yes. Bear in mind that the plans that we had to move the caravan were emergency plans, like plans where we could move the caravan, but we didn't really know if we would be able to live in it. This is our home. Everyone expected this was going to take a long time, including Annie. And so Pierre asking us to leave at the very beginning of the year was an absolute total shock. It came as a total shock. I felt it liquefied me. It was like I was, you know, like walking around in the meadow, just singing lightly, going on about life. And then a truck hit me in the face. In the, I got hit by a truck. <laughs> That's a pretty he, funny image. He, yeah, you know, it's just like care, care, you know, like not a care in the world. La la la, everything's fine. And then, and and it was a terrible, terrible moment. But the the thing is, those those moments have have been hard on two levels for me because my aunt and uncle are French and they speak French. Alistair is in the process of learning French, but he does not speak French at the moment. Un petit pas. Un petit peu. Un petit petit peu. peu. Mais oui. That means that all these communications have to go through me, which is, that's the way it is. There's no, that's the way it is. But it makes it that when I get those conversations, it's it's painful at two levels. It's painful because I receive it. I get hit by the truck. But then I have to bring the truck and hit Alistair with it. And even though it's not my message and I'm not responsible for it, I'm still the person that he hears the news from. And it's even though we have a pretty strict don't kill the messenger policy, this thing that happened 36 hours ago put us in serious fight or flight mode, like serious. And I'm, I have a tendency to want to flee. That's, that's what I do in those moments is just leave, escape, run away. Alistair fights. 
So he's angry and he needs to express his hang- anger, not at me. He's never angry at me, but his anger is a legitimate it's, feeling to feel. Yeah, the roof blew off the top of the caravan that night. <sighs> it, and and for good reason. It was unexpected and, you know, from our perspective, in the spirit of the agreement we made, uncalled for. But anyway, so that's what happened 36 hours ago. We basically got asked again, when are you leaving? Yeah. So maybe we should talk a little bit about how it felt to wake up that next morning. I haven't felt like that since probably my first girlfriend broke up with me that I'd been with for four years. Oh, yeah. And you know, there's that John Mayer song. Do I have to wake up with roses in my hand? I can't remember. Do I have to wake up uh, with roses in my hand? Because he wakes up from a dream and he believes he's still with his beloved and he wakes up and she's not there. Mm. There's a There's a heartbreakingly sad John Mayer song about this, which is great if you are, if you're reeling from a big breakup. <laughs> and that's how it felt. I was like, I woke up in the morning and for a minute, everything was fine. I was in my caravan and then it just, boom. Yeah. It, it hits you again and you go through, you go through it a second time and neither of us wanted to get out of bed that morning. Yeah. So I think now it might be worth talking about what's happened since because it's only been 36 hours but so much has happened since we got that news yeah and i never would have thought we'd be where we're at right now so first we panicked but then there was a process that kind of unfolded and it's been really beneficial and i would argue we're potentially on the brink of finding a better solution which is a small miracle Uh, when we first started thinking about it We basically had three categories. Uh, We had double down, pause, cash out. Those are the three strategies we could see. So double down meant, all right, we're going to find another solution. We are going to move the caravan somewhere else. We're going to keep trying to live this lifestyle. Basically, the one true plan we had that we're still looking into at the moment is to find a camping site nearby. So in France, there's camping sites that operate most of the year. Julie Roxanne had called a bunch uh, when we were making emergency plans, and we found a couple that were willing to maybe do kind of a, a, an interesting deal, something that wouldn't have been advertised, but basically a deal where we could park the caravan all year round and have in and out privileges to live in it. Mm-hmm. And they closed for three months in the in the winter, so we'd have to travel then, but we kind of already wanted to do that. Yeah. And we could live in it for the other part of the year. Definitely a very different situation than living in a caravan out in the woods. Right now we are literally in the woods. We are, and it's beautiful here. Mm-hmm. I and mean, last night we stepped out in the middle of the night to, to go to the bathroom and we are in this small grassy kind of meadow a very Mm. small one and we're surrounded by oak trees on the perimeter beyond the oak trees is this virgin just wild forest that we just look out onto every day that's all we see and above us in the middle of night last night was crisp it was the first crisp night we've had in a little while it's gorgeous you look up the oak trees are just encircling a black night just sprinkled with stars it's it's so beautiful to go out there and and stare look at that um every night and it's it's been extremely magical so to go from that to a campsite where there's trailers and families it's not the same no especially because we would have to leave in the winter because they're closed but we probably would have to leave in the summer as well because it would probably be way too busy for us to endure 
we went to go see it the other day, and there's a swimming pool with a water slide going into it. Yeah. So, but it's an option, and we figure at this point we're looking for a bridge. And it's it's not a bad option because it would end up giving us that hub that this place has not given us because we can't leave right now. So that was the double down, right? That we also had another lead. We had met someone, Sidonie and Gilles, uh, a week and a half ago. Through actually Annie had introduced us. We had met them, and we'll come back to that in a minute. But that that at the moment we had just met them. Yeah. So the second option was pause. This thought was, okay, we'll put the caravan in storage. There's really cheap storage. The land, given its name, has a lot of land. <laughs> and people will store things for you for almost nothing. So the idea was, we'll park the caravan, and we'll fly to Bali, or Chiang Mai, or some one of these... Or Mexico. Yeah, one of these kind of backpacker hotspots, get a cheap place. And we have projects we're working on, we could keep working on them there. And when we really thought about that idea, a couple things came up for me, which is one, this is where I want to work. This is our creative space. There's so much energy in here now that, that we've built it ourselves. It's designed exactly the way we live. And... To think that I'd have to go rent out an apartment with none of our stuff and, and work there, it just was kind of a soul-sucking thought. It's, it's like, that's not where I want to do my creative work right now. I'd like to work here. So that was the first one that, that really hurt for me. And the second was, it's going to be hard to get back here if we did that. We'd put the caravan in storage. I'm not sure what we'd do with the car, but if we kept the car still we'd lose some of the roots the connections we've been work you've been working at the farmer's market we've been getting to know the general area and starting to get to know people doing interesting things here yeah. and that would all kind of disappear if we left and it's hard to really imagine that we'd go get the trailer out of the caravan out of storage and we wouldn't have any connections to move it at that point yeah and and that we were going to start over. I, I think it was going to languish in in a in a storage place somewhere for for years. Um, there was a thought that hey, maybe down the road we are who have this interest of maybe getting a piece of land and then we'd have the caravan. But it was a lot of money that would be tied up in a storage place until then, and it it just it didn't make sense to me. The pause idea was definitely my preferred one, at least uh, yesterday morning. The only thing I want to do in those moments is just leave. That I have this like uh, this panic attack mode where it, I forget everything I've been working towards. I forget the reason, the vision. I forget what I'm working for, and I just it's I want to escape. I need to go. I need to. F I need to flee. I need to go away from the source of stress. So in this case, I was like, let's just have someone pick up the caravan this weekend, and we'll move out this weekend. I don't want to stay here. It's awful. It's just like it rips my heart out. I just want to leave so bad. It, it there's so much anxiety that this is the only thing I can do to relieve it. Is just imagine that I'm gonna go, and then and then imagine anything else but this. Anything else will do, like going to Bali, going to Mexico, even though I know perfectly well deep down that I don't have an interest in going to those places at the moment because we are in the process of building something here. And this is one of the reasons we stopped is because we wanted to build something and stop being 
just free-floating and never having any roots anywhere. And as much as I want to believe, I, I'm sure some people can go to those places like India, Bali, Mexico, and be expats and live there and like put down roots there. I'm sure that there's people who can do that. I just don't see myself doing that. I would have... We've gotten a whiff of, of what that feels like a couple times when we've li lived for extended periods of time, for example, in Sri Lanka, and also from talking to other expats that actually do this. And the overwhelming message is you're always the outsider. Yeah, and man, I already feel like the outsider in my own countries. There's just no shaking that feeling. And I don't know, maybe maybe at one point in our life that, that makes sense and that feels right. But right now, I just want to build in a place that feels like similar to me or that that resonates and yeah so the pause project is my thing to relieve anxiety and and Alistair and I a little later in the morning I was telling him about that I was just like giving options like we we, we could we could put it in storage and go there we could do this and that and like you shared how that makes you feel how illogic it, it seems to you yeah so the pause option felt to me like buying time but buying time for what I we, a lot of the projects we're working on are we're noticing that they have local roots and that it's important to be to have more of a relationship to a place a culture a, a piece of land even right and kind of detaching ourselves and and going somewhere else yes there's there's still projects we could work on but I felt it was going to kind of put our life on pause a little bit at least the things we really wanted to go toward and in that way really it was going to take us in the wrong direction this felt like a problem we we need to face I don't know, maybe in two episodes we're we're recording this podcast from Bali. <laughs> it's yeah. still it's still an attractive option. That's <laughs> that's the thing is I think it's easy to to make this podcast and and uh and talk from a place of we figured it out but we haven't. No, we're, we're still yeah. these are still options that we have to consider because we're not in the next step yet. We're still in the weeds and, and And before we go into the ca the the last process, well, the last one's pretty obvious. Cash out. The idea was we put it on Le Bocoin, which is the uh, French version of Craigslist, and see if we can recruit, you know, 75%, or uh, we would try to sell it for more. I think it's worth it's worth more, but at least recoup our, our investment yeah. and just start over or yeah. start new. And that was definitely we've the least explored option. I mean, we're going to take pictures and probably get a, get a feel for, for what it's worth, but... I, neither of us it feels like selling part of my soul it's after, heartbreaking after, yeah. to imagine selling this place yeah but the, I think the process like talking a little bit about the process is especially when you're when we're doing things like this and it's kind of overwhelming it's like being a bit detached from all the solutions and just throwing them out all on the table mm. right like there's some that are more popular than others and some that are fairly unpopular but at this stage in the process it's really about brainstorming and being as open-minded as possible like problems that cover the entire spectrum yeah um because this is a unique situation and it's the solution's really only limited by how we think about it and how we imagine it and i think that's come kind of clear to us from buying a caravan which is and living on someone else's land in the way we have it was a strange choice to begin with and these things are as possible as we're able to imagine them you know if we never imagined buying a caravan and engaging in this relationship we couldn't have done this mm. 
And if we never imagined the way we built this caravan, it wouldn't be as it is. It took a lot, it takes a lot of mental work to do that. And so it's, I think it's really important not to speed up too fast during these crises and go from news, you know, like getting punched in the gut to reacting. It's really important to sit with those emotions and just try to lay out all the possible solutions on the table and sit with them and because sometimes it's the dark horse that's the winner it's not one you think at first but then you you get a the other person says oh but what about this and and all of a sudden it's looking a lot more attractive it it takes some sifting through priorities and values and and it also takes vision right it takes reconnecting with why we did it in the first place yeah And that's basically what we had to do next, right? We had a bit of a crisis around the vision. Like, is the vision the same? Do we still want to do this? Because if we're going to double down, it means like reinvesting, you know, time, energy, probably some money too in in this vision. And was this an obstacle we wanted to try to overcome? Or was this like a sign that we should stop? Or do we just need more time? Do we not know? Yeah. Right? That was kind of of where we were at. So we had a vision meeting. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I asked for a vision meeting because if you remember, I was just pushing for options of like escaping, let's leave, let's pause. Let's, she, let's... She, you were pushing the uh, the, the, eject, the eject button, yeah, that yeah, big I, red eject button. I just was, burr, burr. I, was that, I, I usually I usually like to compare those situations with like, it's like having someone light a fire under your ass and it gets really rewarding if you can withstand the fire for a long time. I'm not, I it hurts. Hurts, man. I just want to leave. It's it hurts. I just want to escape this this pain, and that's one thing I've learned since since meeting you. Especially because I feel like you've given a lot of thought to this. Is the longer you sit with those emotions and with the anxiety, the options become clearer, and you you reach better decisions if if you wait. But it just it just hurts too much. It's painful. As I'm since we started recording, I've had this like this anxiousness in my chest. It's tight. I feel afraid this is not comfortable and uh, and I don't like that it's not comfortable something in me says no no but life should be comfortable you know and that's that's the thing that I'm struggling with and this is why I think I want to pause because if I pause then I escape the discomfort and I can just go to a place where I can pretend like it's going to be comfortable at least for a moment in my head until like the problems follow me in in Bali or Mexico or or wherever I go because they will follow you like shadow a predictable INFP response. Yes, crisis. if like us, you're you're. I, I haven't mentioned that, but if like us, you you like the MBTI Myers Briggs personality test. I am an INFP, and my my main trait is that I like to doubt. That's the thing I do, and I do it well, and it's very useful most of the time. It's also extremely painful the rest of it, and so. I said to Alistair, the problem with, with that is I forget the vision. I forget why we're working and I forget why we're... I need a good reason to stay with this discomfort. I need to remember and I forget about the vision. So we had a vision meeting. We had a vision meeting. Oh, also, I, I forgot to mention this, but as I woke up the day after the conversation, I wrote a three-letter page explaining my feelings to Pierre. I never, I don't think I'll ever read it to him, but it felt good to put it out on paper instead of having it in my head and in my chest. It, it helped. It's one of those things you burn. Probably will. So we had a vision meeting and we revisited. So actually, I'm really, we're both really happy that we did this. But when we went to buy the caravan, there was a similar amount of stress and doubt and uncertainty and anxiety. We were leaving Portugal. We were looking at 
we had no idea what it was going to cost. We had no idea of what we wanted it to cost. And uh, it was a big step. We had been traveling for two years, and now we were thinking about buying a caravan and living in the forest in France. Mm-hmm. It's not a decision you make every day. So we wrote down the reasons why we wanted to do this. And we went back to that to see what was still true. And as we've been building this caravan, our, our vision for like where we're going has developed quite a bit. And so we wrote a new list based on where we are right now. And it was super helpful. Yeah, was. The meeting w- was what, two and a half hours? I mean, it involved a couple of emotional breakdowns. We had to deal with a few things that like communication issues between us because this has been high, high stress and, and whatnot. Yeah. And it, it was really productive in that way. Yeah. But I'll just read off a couple of things that we wrote down from the second meeting. The caravan is our creative office. Doing what we want to do without the caravan feels hard. Can we see this as our path? And, and we came across a belief, a story that we were telling ourselves. Mm. Both of us were telling this in different ways, and we still do, but it was useful to identify it and just kind of say, hey, notice when we were telling ourselves this story. And that story was, everything should be easy. And uh, another version of that story that I noticed, a different flavor of it, was, I'll be able to do this when things are easier. Other parts of the vision uh, were building a hub, Bringing money in by being in one place. Taking a break, stopping. We can buy time, but for what? Building a life, something meaty that we can seek our teeth into. When we choose our own life, we have to solve our own problems. Yeah, that one was painful to hear. We drew a bridge from travel, which was basically where we were, to, to where we want to go. And I kind of I think I I was the one that took the notes, so it's 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 a bit uh, more drawingy and visiony than than just words on the paper, but I did have this image that maybe maybe this place, Pierre and Annie's land, the the place where we put the caravan now was just one bridge, one one island, and that would bring us to the next one and then that would bring us to the next one and then if i think about it this way it's not as overwhelming you know it's it's uh, one step at a time and maybe this was just one step and there's another step to take and i can't expect i realized having that meeting that that vision takes time and that it's not going to be something that happens overnight and that there's other steps to take and that that belief that is seizing me in the throat of like everything should be easy is really just a belief and that I can I can choose to look at it but I don't want to let it dictate my life because it feels like if I think that I just keep waiting for life to start because life is never going to be easy and if I keep waiting for that moment where it gets easy to decide oh there it is that's the life I've been wanting then how old will I be when I wake up and realize that everything else was life before, but I just wanted to to speed through it? I think Pink Floyd has a song about that. They do? Yeah, I think it's called Time. Really? Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not. You've missed the starting gun. Anyway, I, yeah, I, yeah, go I, check the... it out. Pink Floyd time. Uh, so... So we had this great vision meeting. We got back in touch and I think changed our vision a bit. It had grown quite a bit from the last time we did this, which was about nine months ago. And this turned out to be great because I'm going to loop this back to Sydney and Gilles. Gilles. It's hard to pronounce French names. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 
But so Annie had introduced us to two of her friends that she had reconnected with at the farmer's market. And we had gone a while back with Annie and Pierre about a week and a half ago, not that long ago, for the first time and had tea. And their daughter is also a traveler. She's a bit younger uh, and she's been traveling for a few years as well and just came back. And she built a beautiful tiny home with her father, Gilles. It's amazing. It's gorgeous. And we really got along well with them. We stayed for an hour, two hours probably. Fr- French meetings are always so long. Oh, uh, you know, we, we love talk, our meetings. Talk, talk, good God. It, may, it, it, probably, it probably seems even longer to you because you don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just staring at the wall. Yeah. Anyway, so afterward, Sydney pulled you aside. Yeah, as we left, uh, Sidonie pulled me aside and told me that Annie had mentioned the situation to her and that um, if we needed, we could put the caravan on their land for a transitioning period if, if we needed to. They would they would welcome us, at least welcome the caravan. It was very brief. She just said that and then we had to leave. Uh, and she said, just be in touch. Annie has my number. And that's where we left it. So this was the lead we had. This was kind of like an asterisk under Double Down. It was like, maybe we do this campsite thing and then follow up with with Sydney. Yeah. And so yesterday, basically after we got over the initial shock of what just happened, we started developing each one of these strategies that we were thinking about. So at this point, we're still trying to be detached and not really judge them too much and not make a decision, not choose early. We're trying to develop the options so we have good choices later, right? Yeah. And so yesterday, after the conversation with Pierre, uh, we went and visited the campsite. They were closed. And then we went and had tea with Sydney and Jill again. And on the way there, we were finishing up this vision conversation. It was two and a half hours and we pretty much ran short. And we parked in their driveway, finished talking about the vision, gave each other a hug and walked into the house to have what was kind of an awkward conversation. We had just met these people. We've met them once and now we were coming to do what exactly? Well, we, we were... I asked Alistair, I asked him, like, what do you think we should say when we go there? So he told me, you should probably tell our backstory. And, and, and we, the idea about this meeting is that we go in and we ask for uh, clarity on what, what is the option they're offering? What do they expect from this? And just open up the conversation. That's it. And we were in the car, I was like still crying, like emotionally shook up and and we wrapped up the conversation. But because we had done this conversation, I had regained like my strength, my understanding of why is why it is that we're doing all this work and and why it isn't easy why it's worth that it's not easy why we're we're doing it I had regained my vision of the vision and so we took a couple of breaths before we get we got out of the car and during those breaths I could feel my energy shifting from tired emotional just wanting to curl up in a ball to tapping into the energy that I had in me of of like wanting to keep at it and just like pumped myself up again put a smile on my face and and just went in and uh, pretty much crushed this meeting yes yes so I couldn't have the meeting because I don't speak French so I sat in the room and stared at a wall for two hours <laughs> that's pretty much what I did I said I said I said bonjour I did some bisous <laughs> and then I sat down had tea and uh, let you talk but you you were like an executive it was like this was a high pressure meeting you walked in these were potential investors and you just 
nailed it. <laughs> it was it was incredible. It was also impressive because once we told the backstory, the next question was, "What is your vision?" Yeah. It was unbelievable. We had just had like we had just talked for two and a half hours about that, and then literally minutes later, walked into a meeting where we were asked what that was. And this is what was interesting about it, was that this whole challenge is kind of the, can I see it as my path or the obstacle as the way? But in a way, it's forced us to tighten up that vision, get in sync with each other, because we were a bit out of sync when yeah. we talked, and then communicate it to other people and get other people in involved in that vision. And that's pretty amazing, because that's definitely a step forward on that path. That's definitely a double down move right yeah. there. And you spent an hour, hour and a half having what would for me have been an incredibly tough conversation where you basically told our story, told them we needed help. You know, like we, yeah. that's part of this, which is that you can't pretend you got it all together because no one was going to help if you do. You yeah, know, exactly. you have to ask for help or at least let people know that you need it. Yeah. If you're going to find these opportunities and it's kind of hard to say, hey, we're looking for help, but we don't need it. We're looking for someone who wants to help. Right. And. <laughs> There's a difference there. I talked to you right before we walked into that meeting and it was like, we're not going in. We have options and we're not going into this meeting asking for something for them to give us something. We're going in to see what they're interested in doing and see if it matches with what, with what we're doing. I think that's the difference between begging and asking. We both listened to The Art of Asking by Amanda Palmer recently. And I think what you just said, that's the difference is that... The only reason why I could do this is because I, f I felt like I wasn't begging. I, there, I had other options, uh, and I feel grateful for that. I was telling the story truthfully and authentically and saying, here we are, here's where we're at, here's our... Here's where we're trying to go. Here's where we're trying to go. And it's like, would you, could you be potentially the, the hand that leads us onto the next island? Or, you know, it's, will you be the next bridge? And It's not just asking, too. It's giving, because if if this was just an us taking situation it would be a bad one and we shouldn't get into it yeah. it had to be an exchange of some sort and Jules and Sydney were hip to that they understood that and so first off they really resonated with the way you pitched the vision mm -hmm. I didn't need to know what was being said to tell the energy in the room yeah. it was working out really well and then it got kind of serious uh, and they told us what they what they wanted they said okay well we're not doing this just for you guys out of the goodness of our hearts thank God because that's that's a, that's a bad situation. If It anyone is. says that, run. Run to the hills. But they said, here's what we want to get out of it, right? And then they gave us a list of what they're expecting. And no agreements were made or anything. But it was basically laid on the table. It's like, this This is how it might work in a way where it's a given exchange. And by the end of that meeting, I, I at this so just to put you guys where I'm at, all I'm doing is judging the energy in the room. There's Jules, Sydney, you, me, and then Grandma. <laughs> and me and Grandma are just... <laughs> hanging out that's you know and 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 at the end i had no idea what had happened or like and and it got serious near the end and i wasn't sure if they were kind of deflecting or saying oh you should go talk to them or like oh we can't do it and giving excuses for why mm. or like i had no idea and then we got up and drew roxanne's like okay so uh, i'll brief you on everything but first we're gonna go look at spots where we could park the caravan and i was just like what <laughs> <laughs> you know like oh my god So we walked out with Gilles and we did a tour of his property and talked about potentially where to park the caravan. And I had no idea what had been discussed at that point and what the 
the potential deal was. Yeah. So we haven't decided on this. We're actually going to go back to the campsite later today, and we're we're still trying to think about it because no matter what move we make, it's a really big change from what we went into this wanting to do. It's it's morphing. It's yeah. changing. And it's, it's pretty interesting because Jill and Sydney are definitely doing interesting things. They have three guest houses on their property where they're they're having international visitors. They want to open up a campsite for basically people walking the, the Camino and also people biking through France. It's a bit of a hub. There's a lot of, there's a lot going on here. And, you know, they said, hey, you guys come here. Maybe you guys can help us build out this campsite. They want to basically convert a garage or something into to the, like the six person biker campsite and we could use some help with that and you guys could start growing in our garden if you like and and maybe you can help with some of the um or some of the airbnb or some of the guest house stuff and it's interesting because so much of it lined up with kind of the long term where we want to go and this wasn't the way we expected it but it's very interesting because we can see it's like okay they know everyone in the area who's doing interesting things there's a lot of interesting people coming through here Gilles an amazing builder yeah. and uh helping him on that would be great because we would learn a lot Yeah, they also have learned about permaculture, so they have a small, tiny garden. But I mean, I feel like there's a lot to learn if we spend time there. The obstacle that, that, that was thrown in front of our path 36 hours ago is starting to feel more like a door. Yes, that's exactly. It's It feels like the end of the bridge. That's more like what it feels. It's like we're arriving somewhere else. Yeah, you know? the next it's, island. The ne- it's interesting how quickly that shifted. There's just two things I want to say. Is One, as much as that meeting with Gilles and Sidonie went well and, and how it's inspiring and interesting and it, it feels right on some level... What happened 36 hours ago felt like people telling us leave, even though that's not the tone they use or that's not necessarily what they mean because I know that they love us dearly. But I received it a lot as like a leave. You're not welcome here anymore. And I guess that's what happens when you decide to be vulnerable and ask for help. You're only going to get help until the other person is like out of help to give out, I guess. I'm not sure how to explain this better. Well, it's a day-to-day, it's a day-to-day relationship in the kind of arrangement we had it can all change right yeah things happen exactly and, and it changes and the nature of that relationship had changed in a way no one had expected yeah that's that's true and and i think it's that's it's hard because like there's a bit of grieving happening realizing that this is over and this is over pretty soon like now is the time to grieve and so there's parts of me that are afraid to dive into another relationship that could potentially be like that, that is uncertain and that is that is open to discussion and and change. Yeah, those are the part those are the same parts of me that want life to be easy and that think it should be easy. It's the parts that think that if there's an obstacle on the on the on the road, it's that I picked the wrong road. That's that's how I feel. And so there is still that tendency to just um oh, but let maybe just a campsite would be better because we would pay but then we can do whatever we want. We have no nothing to think about. It's not an exchange like the exchange is dealt with the money. And that I think is something that I started thinking about about when we were in Portugal helping those people build the Eco Lodge. He was talking about the money and, and the, the guy we were helping. And 
he said something like, yeah, money is helpful because it takes away all those like human emotional weights that happen when there's no money and the transaction is less tangible because it's easy to fall into a, a cycle of like, am I taking more than I'm giving? Am I giving more than I'm receiving? Is it balanced? At least money clarifies that on some level, but it probably uh, also we would miss out a lot if we decided to go to the campsite to avoid that. The money also yeah so it solves some of those emotional kind of sticky points but it also is not the most fulfilling way of, of giving and receiving that's true so there's ups and downs to money so we haven't decided we're still exploring the options and so you'll find out when we find out but i'm getting excited the initial panic is starting to wear off a little bit and i think you know a friend of mine uh once said And I think this is really true that, you know, there's nothing physiologically different between uh, anxiety and excitement. I don't know if that's actually true, but I like to think about that a lot. And I definitely feel excited. Like maybe we're on the edge of a new chapter and maybe this is going to open up a lot of things. And that vision is going to maybe this is going to extend the vision we have. And I also just want to note before we finish here, I think, you know, from our experience, there's something interesting here, which is it's taken a lot of work and, and a lot of risk, but there is an opportunity for those that are serious about going after something. We've been helped along the way in huge ways by the generation ahead of us, right? By, by a generation who is, tends to be in their, somewhere between their forties and their seventies. Yeah. And that are in that second stage of life where they are still doing things, they're still active, but they're also starting to look for how to give back and help the next wave continue the vision. And there's something that I noticed in that meeting incredibly powerful about the way they got on board with our vision because it was also their vision. And it just felt like when that happened, when that synced up, just the doors just mm -hmm. opened up, you know? And they might have remained locked if you did not really hit the vision the way you did in that meeting. Maybe those doors never opened, yeah. you know? But instead, they opened and whether we take it or not an incredibly generous offer was made yesterday i mean we had met these people less than two weeks ago and within two meetings we were talking seriously about moving our caravan on their land yeah that is a small not even a small that's just a miracle it is a miracle and it was no way we could have ever seen it happen and until we ran into this kind of challenge yeah i can't remember what you said yesterday about like maybe you said something about maybe the obstacles happen because it's time to move on because it's time to change like that's something that helped me a lot you were sharing uh, that maybe if that never happened we would have stayed here for five years. But this here is not the vision. Here was a was a first step. It was the birthing of this idea. We birthed this idea here and we couldn't have done it without the space, without the loving presence of Pierre and Annie, without Pierre's tools and Pierre's knowledge. And that was incredible. And maybe I just, I noticed that I go back to that maybe angry, self-righteous, entitled place of, why would they do this to us? This is not fair and but i i make a conscious effort first of all to acknowledge that i'm feeling that way and that that's part of me and that's okay it has a right to be here i'm not trying to like wish that away but also remember at the same time trying to hold the truth that no matter what happens first this will have been for the best the universe is conspiring to help us and this maybe this is all we could get here 
maybe this is you know we we sucked out all the good juices of here and there's this place is now finished it's not the chapter is finished as you, you use the chapter analogy and i agree I'm starting to, you know, with a with a very little perspective that we have and starting to reflect on Pierre and Annie's role. I'm starting to see, you know, maybe they were the handmaidens of this of this dream, of this vision, and they helped us birth it and bring it into reality to take it from a kind of pregnant idea to a messy, screaming reality. <laughs> and uh, now they're handing it over to to someone else that can nourish that vision. 